0: At Label Sessions, we strive to foster new talent and create insightful content all around the best advice for the most interesting people. This includes internships, and that's where our first, Andrew Sanford, comes in. In his time with us, we gave Andrew the opportunity to create that insightful content on a topic of his choice. His choice being the 2026 World Cup and how Canada can prepare and accommodate such a grand event, both logistically and in fan experience. Let's hear it, Andrew.
1: The World Cup is coming to Canada in 2026, and our country is gaining excitement. Canada is co-hosting with the United States and Mexico, and it is the hope of all Canadians that we as a country are able to stand out and be the best host country. Canada will only have two host cities, which is the least of all three countries in this joint bid. So it's important that organizers, local businesses, fans, and all members of these communities contribute to the experience. I've interviewed six people varying from fans of soccer to people who work in sports or entertainment to find out what Canada can do to achieve this. The questions I asked them is how can we create the best possible fan experience in Canada for the 2026 World Cup? As an avid soccer fan myself, I went into this research with a personal idea of what would make the best fan experience for myself. I want local businesses in Toronto and Vancouver to embrace the diversity of the World Cup and bring that to the streets. This could be specific fan zones for other cultures being made, adding on to a little Italy we already have in Toronto. These cities could be covered in fanzos similar to Maple Leaf Square and transform the exhibition place into a World Cup seat. When walking the streets of Toronto or Vancouver, it should be clear from anywhere in the city that the World Cup is happening. Restaurants and bars should have decorations for events and everyday games. This is a massive opportunity that so many businesses can capitalize on. All these ideas are realistic for the cities, but it's a matter of inspiring people to care and put in the effort. Our problem is getting everyone on board with the idea that the World Cup needs to be done right. And this means starting preparation now. The purpose of my research is to find out how to make a great fan experience and show people that this World Cup is important and Canada should be putting maximum effort into this. I'm going to go over what I learned through my interviews while taking you through the conversations with audio clips. Then I will talk about the art of the possible. How can Canada put together the vision that we have created into a reality? The first question I had to ask is what makes a great fan experience? Without first cementing the basics for this event, we can't move on any further to advance with this experience. I interviewed Sarah Anderson, a diehard supporter of both men's and women's national teams of Scotland. Along with her husband, she has traveled the world following Scotland's national teams to tournaments. Sarah gives us an interesting perspective on what she thinks Canada can do to create the best fan experience possible, drawing from her lifelong experience as a fan of the game.
2: I think for in-person, first of all, all the basics need to be really slick. So, um, how you get to the stadium, how you get home from the stadium, the facilities when you're there, the food options, all those, those things at a very basic level need to be very good. There's been lots of issues in the last few years. At the Europa League final, they ran out of water. We know what happened in Paris at the Champions League final with the fans all of that really tars what is an otherwise special event so i think investing in whether it's technology or people to make sure all those basic things work um, and it can be as simple as having like extra portable toilets outside um, all those things i know there'll be a focus but if you really make them exceptional where people are almost not even thinking about it that's a really good baseline
1: Doing things really slick, as Sarah said, is the name of the game. None of the other innovative ideas we come up with will matter if you can't even get to the game because there is no public transportation. And what goes along with public transportation is the ability to keep the festivities alive. For example, traveling from fan park to the stadium. I interviewed Eric Arthwell, who speaks a bit to this topic. Eric has experience working with the Toronto Blue Jays to help them plan their recent renovations to the stadium. He has a particularly valuable opinion on this topic because of his experience with the Blue Jays' project on how to
0: improve fan experience. The the two things that come right to mind for me are to find fan spaces outside. I mean, I think we've done a great job with um, uh, where, where Jurassic Park or wherever you want to call it the 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 common area outside of Scotia Arena. Arena. Um, you know, definitely. You know, we need to we need to expand on that even more. And what I would add to that is like really simple modes of transportation, whether it's on foot, whether it's on bike or scooter, whether it's on, um, um, you know, taxi, Uber systems, whatever it may be, a really clear defined way to get from space to space. I think that would be, that that would be the number one thing that I would do. And so, um, you know, I'm just riffing here off the top of my head, but uh, you know, what if we set up those those fan spaces in the cultural communities that really, really appreciate soccer? so give, give the you know the um, you know the, the Greek, the Portuguese, the little Italy places around around the city, um, you know, give them their own fan section. and then on top of that, let's make it really easy to get from one to the other. Um, and so again, like maybe that's dedicated bus lines that are special to to the World Cup. Um, where you can you know hop on, hop hop off, and get from point A to point B. Um, another thing that, that I think might be interesting. This is this is you know this is really getting you know off what is probably feasible, but you gotta have some kind of uh, um, drink carrying ability. Like I know, like in, in the parks within Toronto, we've kind of relaxed the rules around alcohol in parks. Um, it's not really enforced in the same way, but. Um, That would be a really big thing, is how do you allow fans to get from point A to point B and continue on with their experience, whether they're bringing food or drink with them um, to get from point A to point B. Um, That would be really amazing. We
1: saw in the past with the Qatar World Cup, that one of the biggest compliments to the hosting was the transportation. There were buses, metro, and light rail systems that brought fans directly from one stadium to another. Fans were able to travel between fan zones with ease, and anyone who wasn't from the area had no problem figuring out the transit, because it was outlined specifically for the fans. Of course, in 2026, no stadiums will be close enough together to be using public transportation. However, we can still draw examples from Qatar. The goal is to make it easy for fans to travel between fan zones, and with the surplus of tourists coming due to the World Cup, it will be essential to prepare specific public transit methods Dedicated to the fans. Eric went on to discuss another very important aspect of Canada hosting the World Cup. In our conversation, we focused on Toronto, and he explained to me how in order to stand out from the other host countries, we need to focus on what Canada does
0: best. I asked him what Toronto has to offer as a host city. I mean one hundred percent it's diversity. Like like there's there's no doubt in my mind that that's the number one answer. I mean, depending on which which ranking you look what you look at, uh, Toronto is the most multicultural um city in the world uh so that that number one is is what we need to bring to the forefront um I, I know especially places in the u.s there tends to be a really strong tie to sort of like that regionality um you know in the in the u.s you you know you see different accents you see, you see different cuisine you see different um values you see different uses of space like you know big broad texas versus you know, tiny little crap, New York, like you have these these big diversities and and, and regionality, but that own region very much celebrates its own uniqueness, right? Toronto is, is different in that respect, right? Like Toronto, the thing that makes us unique is the fact that we have so much diversity. And so in Toronto, I would want to see um, representation from all the little micro communities that we have around the city that represent all different parts of the world. And I think it would be the coolest thing ever to have Um, you know these these locations throughout the city where you as a tourist or you as a fan could go experience the you know we've got a really strong italian contingent so if italy makes it this 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 world cup wouldn't it be amazing to have uh you know like in little in little italy um or somewhere else in the city you know a little microcosm of, of that italian experience um uh you know obviously we've got lots of Uh, Greek representation and lots of all different parts of of Asian representation um, all over the city. I think it would be so beautiful to have, uh, you know, those communities represented in their own microcosms and make it really easy for fans to find those locations and, and experience those locations. This brings us back to the comparisons from the Qatar World Cup. We saw in Qatar
1: big headlines about that diversity of fans. People were accusing Qatar of creating fake fan groups, by hiring people to support different countries than where they seem to be from. These allegations were denied by Qatar, but regardless of whether the fake fans are true or not, it shows how a lack of diversity at the World Cup is looked on poorly by fans and the media. The fans want to see everyone from across the world coming together to celebrate. And when people believe that this wasn't being done in Qatar, they were considered to make the fan experience worse. As Eric talks about, The World Cup is bringing people together of cultures and celebration and a reason to all get together and embrace our differences. I asked the question, how can we make an exciting casual fan experience? Because in reality, a very large amount of people don't care about watching the games. For many, the World Cup is a reason to come together and support your nation. And while the game might be on, there's a party surrounding the game. I spoke to Scott Lidbury, who's currently director at Nielsen Sports Canada. Scott also spoke to me about his experience managing commercial operations for the Toronto Wolfpack, a rugby league club. He spoke about how important it is to
3: manage all types of fans at a sporting event. I think a great fan experience brings entertainment for all sorts of fans, the avid fans, the casual fans, perhaps those aren't even who, who aren't even really fans of the sport itself. I think one of the challenges of fan experience is you have to cater to all of those different groups. And you also have to extend the experience of a sporting event. So a great experience is one that goes beyond the sport itself. We see this all, the, all, the, all over the place in sports marketing today. It is not just about the game and the engagement in that specific time, period of time. It's the engagement outside of that time. So whether that's having a ability for fans to meet players or, or people after a game, having outdoor events at stadiums that allow people to come into stadiums before events and stay long after them it's really extending that experience but also making sure it's done in a family-friendly way and a way that caters to different demographics whether they be from different parts of the world different walks of life etc so a fan experience is something that i think you have to provide something for each of your key fan groups you have to be engaging to your avid fans who want to see most of all probably the sport but don't care as much perhaps about some of those other things that go around it but you have to really cater to your casual fans or your new fans as well because you need to bring people in and show them a good time so i think a good fan experience is something that caters to all of those groups integrates things such as tech and some tried and tested methods of engaging people as well such as opportunities to meet players etc giveaways so i think if a fan engagement strategy touches on all of those items then it sets sports properties up for success do you have any like memorable moments from your experience as a fan or working
1: that really like outline that great fan experience to you
3: the most memorable moment for me is my time as head of commercial for the toronto Wolfpack, which was a professional rugby league team that was active in toronto between the years of 2017 and 2019 we had a sport a form of rugby that many people in toronto and canada were not familiar with so we had to put a big focus on our game day experience bringing people into what was an old and somewhat rundown venue and showing them a good time How do we do that? We had a great beer garden. It was described as the best patio in Toronto during summer. We had unprecedented access to players in this market. They would mingle with fans after the game. And we just had a great product on the field, even though many people weren't familiar with the sport itself. That was particularly memorable for me as someone who grew up with that sport in Sydney and Australia because it was an opportunity to apply a fresh lens to market the sport in an area being canada and toronto where people really had no familiarity with the sport which gave us a lot of freedom to market the team in ways that we wanted to so that was particularly memorable for me because we had great momentum in those times unfortunately post-covid the team doesn't exist anymore in its incarnation that it was but a lot of great memories of how you can engage sports fans in toronto with something that's new different but ultimately a great product on the field and lots of fun things that you can do around it as well It was a situation like that i guess with not a lot of people
1: knowing how rugby is played in canada are you focusing on like teaching the fans how how to become a diehard fan of that sport or the more casual
3: fan experience I see with the Wolfpack, it was a more casual fan experience. We were trying to show people a good time, first of all, and then hope they saw the sport and got into it. I think you run a risk sometimes with that type of marketing of dumbing down a sport too much and trying to market it in a way that's not very... Uh, thorough and, and, and preserves the integrity of the sport. But we also didn't dumb it down too much. We didn't go out of our way to overtly explain the rules of the sport. We thought if people saw this, they will pick it up. The thing about the casual fan experience is it's
1: easy for everyone to enjoy. As a hardcore soccer fan myself, when Canada isn't playing in the World Cup, I want to be doing fun, interactive activities, enjoying other cultures and not focusing on the game as much as I usually would. A survey done by Statista shows that only 46% of people in the U.S. consider themselves a casual sports fan. 25% are not sports fans at all. That leaves only 29% to call themselves an avid sports fan. For this World Cup, we need to think outside the box and attract casual sports fans. I spoke to Andy Nolman, who is most famously known for being the co-founder of the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. He teaches a course at McGill University called Creativity, Curiosity and Guts, where he teaches his students how to take risks and be creative. He gave me his opinion on bringing new ideas to the entertainment of a soccer event and how to leave people with a memorable experience. He told me that you need to go outside of the box in order to leave a lasting impression as World Cup
4: hosts. Selling this to the world is another another thing. Selling the fact of Canada to the rest of the world to say, you know, here's why we deserve the World Cup. Is another ball game, and one of the problems that that Canada has, I always say, and, and Toronto, is the element of, of cliches. People know us for certain things, uh, the and I'm not being facetious here. The, these are cliches that uh, people know Canada for: the, the Mounties, um, you know, uh, what, what what else? Beavers, maple syrup, uh, trees. Um, for Toronto, it's the CN Tower. It's So there there are certain clichés that people have that I'd say that you have to find a way to use them in an offbeat manner, saying, look, guys, we know that this is what you think of us, but we're going to sort of play off it and and play off off the fact that we know they're clichés and we know this is what you think of us and we're going to make fun of ourselves in that right. But also to find new clichés and what is it about Toronto or Canada or, you know, this part of Canada, or this part of Toronto, let's say that nobody knows, and you want them to know. And maybe it's a lie. Maybe you're saying you know Canada is the you know largest concentration of uh, nuclear scientists. I'm just making this up. Okay. Sounds ridiculous, but the point of the matter is, if you can make up a new cliche, whether it's true or false, it it allows people to say, "Really, I didn't know that," uh, and it, it gives a different perspective.
1: By leaning into the Canadian cliches, we can leave a lasting impression on people that's entertaining and also a constant reminder of where we are. Building further off of how we can cater to all types of fans, we have to look at the demographics that will be attending the World Cup. It is a hard thing to pinpoint because this is an event that is meant for all people in Asia. But sometimes with sporting events, this isn't the case. When I was speaking to Sarah Anderson, she brought up the point that sometimes these events are not safe for children and this should be something that Canada puts emphasis on for this World Cup.
2: I would love to see a safer place for women and children in mm-hmm. Europe and South America. I would more so is predominantly men um, and men that would go to these tournaments Um so having gone to a Women's World Cup and then experienced that uh, you'd been in a Euro Coast city it was a very different atmosphere at them the women's is very family friendly it's all about inspiring the next generation and that focus on being leaders for those coming through and that's a real theme of it i just think we put that pressure on male players and um, in the same way therefore i don't think the events are seen as family friendly and maybe bad behaviors are not called out as well even at these events so the, fi- the semi-finals this England men were in, or one of the games that was at Wembley, they had all that issue with people jumping barriers and so on. I was thinking that I was there. I would be really scared in that situation, and I would be really nervous if I had got nieces. So if I had my nieces with me, I'd be really worried. And that would really take away again from the event. And so, importantly, I think having the right security and care there um, for the people that are going to these events is important. And that just comes from the theme of the whole tournament of who yeah. is this for? Well, it's, it's for the next generation. It's for people who are looking up to them and for people who have been adored this game their whole life. It's not for the people who want to turn it into something that it's not.
1: Later on, I spoke to Ashutosh Trivedi, who built off the idea that the World Cup should be built for the focus to inspire the youth. Ashutosh is not only significantly involved in the business of sports, but he also calls himself a hardcore Manchester United supporter and a massive soccer fan. This is what he had to say. It would
5: definitely start with the infrastructure in terms of like, like the city needs to know that there's a World Cup going to happen over here. It's it's not just like one uh, concert or one game that is happening, it's, it's the World Cup and yeah what world cup does is it leaves a legacy behind it it leaves what you can say in 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 a word i would say it's a stepping stone for the progress of soccer so i would love to see more communities more small academies more clubs who are playing obdl who are playing districts who are playing just for fun that develop more
1: Speaking of that, like OPL and small like youth clubs, how do you think they should be taking any actions to prepare for the World Cup coming?
5: Yeah, definitely. It, uh, I feel that it actually starts from there. It is the vision that kids will start seeing uh, from now that, okay, World Cup is coming, World Cup is coming. It's, it's the uh, hype that is being created. And that is what it will help kids to stay within the sport. Currently, we are facing a big problem where like, they would start a sport and they will just leave it. The longevity of being into the sport is one of the major issues and definitely this would help a lot.
1: After collecting all the information from these interviews, it became a matter of how we can apply this to the future of the World Cup in 2026. The first point I received from my interviews was that the event needs to be run smooth. This is a very broad statement, but through my interviews, I can break it down into a few sections. First is safety. It goes a long way at an event this massive to spend extra money and staff power to confirm the safety of the people attending. Handing out free water is a necessity. Having extremely clear directions and adequate space to hold the expected capacity surrounding the stadium and in the fan zones. This leads to the point of seamless transportation, which I seem to talk about in nearly all of my interviews. It cannot be overstated enough how important this is. Qatar hosted 1.4 million visitors to their country during the World Cup, which will cause a massive stress on the public transit in Toronto or Vancouver. It is simply a necessity that the specific World Cup buses be made That travel directly between fan zone and stadium existing transit needs to be running more frequently to allow people to get where they are staying while in the city and also in attempt to keep everyone from walking it is expected that the streets will be flooded during the world cup So specific fan zones must be created to keep fans somewhat concentrated in certain areas and not to disrupt the flow of traffic as pedestrian. These host cities need to find the perfect balance between fan zones and spreading out the fun. The more area that is covered with World Cup festivities, the more fans will be brought into the fun. But at the same time, there will be plenty of specific zones that contain games, food, and all things World Cup theme. There must be activities for fans to do at all times because only so many games are played in Canada, and most fans will only want to watch their home country. The next thing discussed is that Canada needs to focus on what the country does best. What is it that Canada can set itself apart from other countries with? What most people agree on is that Canada has diversity, which for a World Cup is a perfect trade. The planning for the World Cup must provide a platform to show off this diversity. A great idea that was discussed in a few of my interviews is putting together temporary mini-cities for games, like a Little Italy. With all the diversity in Canada, businesses can be reached out to by World Cup organizers to set up temporary shops in these areas. For example, find some local Moroccan restaurants in Toronto and work with them to create a mini-Morocco around when Morocco is playing a game. Show that these local places combine the local communities with the people that travel to Canada for the World Cup from these countries. By taking some advice I received through my interviews, I was able to form some ideas on how I as a fan would enjoy this World Cup. This research I've done is to help give people ideas on how they can be involved and participate in the World Cup. Through doing this, the goal was not to come up with a specific blueprint on what to do. It's not that easy to figure out. We are simply gathering important voices to inspire our country. We have an opportunity to create something amazing and change the face of sports in Canada for the future generations. This is a time to take action.
0: Thanks to Andrew for assembling and interviewing for this thought-provoking piece about the next World Cup. And of course, to the interviewees, Andy, Ashutosh, Eric, Graham, Sarah, and Scott, for sharing their insight into the future of what is a world-class
4: event.